Um, so like I said, we've been in a series where we've been looking at and discovering who the Holy Spirit is. And um, in the first couple weeks of this sermon series, we looked at how the Holy Spirit isn't somebody to be afraid of. He is not someone to be apprehensive of and kind of keep at a distance like, like a lot of the church tends to do. Um, he's good. And so good, in fact, that Jesus, just before he left to go back up into heaven, he looked at his, his followers, those early disciples, and he said to them, it's actually a good thing for you that I'm leaving. Because since I'm leaving, now I'm able to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with you. That's, that's how good the Holy Spirit is. That Jesus says, it's better that I go so that you can have the Holy Spirit. He's this incredible gift. That's given to us as we put our faith and trust in Jesus um, Over this, this series we've looked at how the Holy Spirit A lot of times people confuse him and think that he's a mysterious force like, like Star Wars type force Or they think that he's a thing or an it But the Holy Spirit in reality is a person He's a person And we see that all throughout the, 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 the New Testament Especially how he has all the characteristics of a person not only is he a person, he's God. And as we wrap up this morning, this, this sermon series, we're going to be looking at something pretty important just uh, when it comes to the Holy Spirit and how he relates to us. And uh, you know, one of my favorite Christian authors, pastors, teachers is a guy named Francis Chan. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of Francis Chan. And a uh, few, few years back, I was listening to him tell this story. And... Uh, in this story, he's describing how he had some um, couple different experiences. One with with uh, some Mormons that came to his front door, and the second one was with some Jehovah's Witnesses that came to his front door. And Francis Chan, being this just this uh, guy that loves to have discussions with people, um, he invited them in. And about half hour into their discussion, he asked the question. He said he he had his Bible there, and he said, "If you started with this." My question is, would you come up with the belief system that you have? And then he went on to question some of their beliefs that are just very different from what we believe. Um, he challenged the belief that they have that Jesus wasn't always God, but at some point in history he became God. And the belief that uh, all of us, if we do things right, will one day become a God. And he challenged the belief that um, even just around... Some, just their theology about um, uh, just having another book besides the, the Bible. And then he went on to describe another experience that he had where he had these Jehovah's Witnesses come to his front door, and he, he again, he asked some questions and pushed back on some of the beliefs that they had. And one of the things that he pushed back on was this belief that they have that, that Jesus is the same person as Michael the Archangel. And uh, he showed them Daniel 10, 13, where it actually says that Michael was the, the chief prince. And he pushed back, and, and his point in all this was not necessarily to nitpick the differences of theology, but to say to them, if you were to read this book from front to back like 15, 20 times, would you have the belief system that you currently have? And, and he challenged them to kind of step away from the, the, their upbringing and their belief system that they had as a result of their upbringing and to just take the Bible, just to take this book 
to read it, read it through, take it at face value, and, and see what it actually says, and see where that would actually land them in what they believe. And then, like Fra only Francis Chan can do, he, he stops, and then he turns, turns to the, so this video, he's actually preaching to his congregation that he used to be a pastor of. He used to pastor this large evangelical megachurch in Southern California. And he, he paused, and he, he, he then looked at his listeners and turned the challenge on them. And he said, okay, now I want to challenge your upbringing. If we started with Scripture and let the Bible speak for itself, would we conclude that the Christianity of the Bible is the same as the Christianity of the modern Western church? Or would we arrive at the conclusion that something is missing, that something is different between what we have today and what we read about in the Bible? And in this series where we've been looking at the Holy Spirit, we've been, we've been spending a lot of time actually in the book of Acts in the Bible, which just really describes and unpacks what happened in the early church. And as we've been doing that, we've seen that there actually are some very big differences. If we were just honest with ourselves, and we looked even at what we have as a church here at CTK Ferndale, and we held that up against what we read in the Bible, would we say what we have today, the belief system that we have today, is the same as what they had back there in, in the early church? And we would have to probably, for honest, say, no, there's some big difference, different differences. And interestingly enough, the Bible warns that in the last days, there will be some differences, which aren't good differences. That there's going to be some problems that actually creep into the church. In the Bible, in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, if you want to follow along in your Bible or your Bible app, it says this. It says, understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Not exactly a feel-good list, is it? But a list that, again, if we're just honest, when we talk about the church, it's a pretty accurate description, not just of outside the church, but inside the church. And then the Bible gives this final descriptor of what, what people will be like with this one being particularly applicable to us today. It says this. It says they will be having the, the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, there's an outward show of devotion. They look religious, but the transforming power of the Holy Spirit is missing. It's missing. Now, it's Father's Day today, and I don't know how many of the dudes in the room are tool guys. You love your tools. I'm actually not a huge tool guy. Um, I, I could be. I love walking into a garage, and when you walk into the garage uh, of some of these dudes out there, it's just like, it's stacked wall to wall with these big massive tool chests, and they've just got like the best of the best. DeWalt drills, Makita this, and just like all these amazing things. And I walk into some of these garages, and I'm like, I'm, I'm actually envious a little bit. 
But when it comes right down to it, <laughs> you know, your money, you go, I've only got like a limited supply of lump money, and with what I've got, could, would I rather buy this or a bunch of new tools? And for me, as you can see, all you guys out there, you, you know where my decision always lands. <laughs> it's always with like the new snowboard or the new vacation or whatever. And so my, uh, my drill, this is probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years old, and it's like a $50 Black & Decker. <laughs> I know my man points are dropping by the second here. <laughs> but, but I got this drill, cheap old drill, and, uh, but it does what I need it to do, provided that there are some things in place. If I want to drill a hole in this piece of wood here, I need to start by having the drill itself, then I need to have the right drill bit, and then I need to have some power. It needs to be connected to, to a power source. This drill, if it's not connected to the power source, is not really going to do a whole lot of good, is it? Um, I could actually come up to this piece of wood, and I could probably actually even drill a hole in this wood if I wanted to. Like if I just stood here for like the next two hours and, and keep you here with me, you know, I could probably eventually get a get a get a, a hole in that piece of wood but as long as it's not connected to the power source without the power the drill isn't fulfilling its intended purpose without the power source the drill is going to really struggle without the power source the drill is going to function a whole lot different than than it needs to function but with the power source it's going to do what it needs to do that is not a very manly sounding drill by the way <laughs> but it's got the power source and this morning, as, as we conclude this series, we come to what might be, might be the most important sermon in this whole entire series. Because you can be a Christian, someone who has all the appearances of, of a religious person going to church, helping out around your community, knowing your Bible, having verses memorized, having an appearance of godliness. However, when you're not Filled with the Holy Spirit without the feeling of His presence, the feeling of His, His power, you aren't much different than a power drill that's disconnected from the power source. What you and I need is to be filled with the power, filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. You see, all throughout the New Testament, we see what happens when people's lives are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you were to go to Acts chapter 4, verse 8, we read about how Peter... This guy who at one time, even though he was like right there as one of Jesus' disciples, he was afraid, he was cowardly. He even betrayed and walked away from Jesus in the garden. But here in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, he's able to stand up in the middle of a city whose leaders are vehemently opposed to the gospel. He was able to stand up and preach. How could a man go from cowardice to total boldness? The Bible tells us. It says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Over in, in Acts chapter 13, verse 9, Paul was able to discern whether or not this, this man was of God. And then Paul performs this incredible miracle where he, actually it's a strange miracle, he strikes this guy with blindness. And then the Bible says, here's how he was able to do it. It says, then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at this guy and and, and goes on and says what he's going to say. Paul was filled. Then over in Acts chapter 6, verse 3, another man named Stephen 
was chosen to organize and kind of administer this brand new program that they were starting in the early church. And he was able to do this. Why? Was it because he had all these amazing leadership skills and just this charismatic personality and just all these great things about him? No. The search committee who was looking for someone to fill this role, they, they found him. And as they're looking, they say this. They say, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And then later on, it says this. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Full. When our lives are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are empowered to live out our purpose. We go through life with a Holy Spirit-anointed energy and passion. Our lives are constantly producing the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, goodness, kindness, all those things. And I want to ask you the same question today that I asked you way back in week one. Are you someone who you and others would characterize as being full of the Holy Spirit? Are you someone who people would characterize and go, okay, we're looking for someone who is full of the Holy Spirit. Let's go to this person. And in a minute, we're going to look at how you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But before we do, let's start by unpacking what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And, and to do this, I want to look at two verses in the Bible. The first one is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And interestingly enough, in my Bible, this little section was titled, Living by the Spirit's Power. Let's read what it says. It says this, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. You know, all that, that big long list that we read earlier on, that's living foolishly. But like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that's one verse. We're going to come back to that in a sec. And the other verse that we're going to read is found from the life of Jesus. Back in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, just as Jesus is getting ready to kind of embark on the part of his life, the three years of his life that would be, be the ministry years of his life where we have most of the, the, the Gospels, those are his ministry years. Um, just before he embarks on this kind of ministry stage of his life, the Bible says this. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he would go on to be tempted. So what do these verses tell us about what it means and doesn't mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because there's a lot of different approaches to this in the church, in, in church world. And we got into this a lot in week number two, so we're not going to get into this this morning, but there's a lot of different ideas and thoughts around what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to just unpack this a little bit um, by looking at what, what, it, what it means before we get into how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, first thing is this, being filled is intended to be a regular happening in our lives. And it can be easy to make the mistake of thinking that this is a one-time event, got filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and that's it. Now I can just go with my life and just live life how I live life. And, and it's not quite how it works, though. It doesn't work quite like that. And in a sense, um, you know, when you give your life to Jesus, not in a sense, but when, when you give your life to Jesus, He comes and He makes His home inside of you. He fills you in that moment where you put your faith and trust in, in Him. But that can make you maybe come to the conclusion that if He's in me, He's filled me, and I'm good to go. I don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit anymore. But, but this is actually meant to be an ongoing and even daily feeling. And, and the second thing is this, being filled is not the same thing as a gas tank going from empty to full. Again, it can be easy to make this mistake because when you hear the word be filled with the Holy Spirit or full of the Holy Spirit, what's the opposite of that? It sounds like empty. It sounds like the gas tank is full and now all of a sudden the, the Holy Spirit, the, the gauge has gone down and now, now I'm sitting down there on E. But think about it, if that's what being filled was about, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't really be a person. He would be like a liquid that fills your body and, and just kind of drains out of your soul. Of course, we know he's not a liquid. He's a person. So being filled must have a little bit of a different meaning than that. It's not like being filled is not like going to the gas station and, and topping up the tank. So what is it? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And this is where the verse about Jesus being full of the Holy Spirit really helps us understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus was filled filled with the Spirit, and what hap happens next is a very big clue to what it means to be filled. The Bible says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was then led by the Spirit, and then what did Jesus do as He was led by the Spirit, as the Holy Spirit inside of Him was saying, hey, go this direction? What did Jesus do? He followed and went the direction that the Holy Spirit was leading. So the third thing, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is what happens as you abide in, in Him and then yield your life to Him. And we see this in Jesus, how He's, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and then he, he submits and yields to the Spirit's influence, the direction, the leading of the Holy Spirit in His life. The Holy Spirit says, hey, you're going to go this direction, you're going to be here for 40 days? And Jesus responds with, okay, let's go. It's not a coincidence that in that passage in Ephesians that we just read, that the Bible compares, or it, I guess contrasts, being filled with the Holy Spirit with being drunk on wine. What did it say? It said, do not be drunk on wine, which will ruin your life, but instead be filled with the Spirit. What happens when you're, you're drunk on wine? You, you lose control of yourself. You come under the influence of something else in that case the influence of alcohol and the bible is saying that there's actually another better way to live and that's to give control of yourself to the holy spirit and to come under his influence which is to say you come under his leadership under his leading under his guiding his direction for your life he's functioning as your lord and not just your savior this past week, there, there was a bit of, um, in our Bible reading plan that we're going through, uh, there was a story. I thought it was a bit of a corny, kind of cheesy story, but um, it, it did a, just a really good job of illustrating the difference between someone who's, who's, who's filled with the Holy Spirit in the sense that they're submitting to Him and they're under His control and they're letting Him be the one who primarily influences and directs and leads their lives 
it was a great story to illustrate someone in that case and someone that's not quite there. And in this story, uh, a father arrives home from work one day, and as he does, his two little girls come running out to meet him. Um, the older of the two got to him first and threw her arms around his legs. And, uh, but there's, there's hedges on either side of where they're standing, and the younger sister try to get, tries to get to her dad, but she can't because the, the pathway is blocked. And so the, the little sister starts to cry. This is a perfect picture of what plays out in my home every time I get home from work. Ali and Presley just like running out. No, it doesn't quite work like that. <laughs> but as the little sister is there, her, her father, he's got one, one wrapped around his legs and um, the other one's over here. And so what he does is he reaches over top of the one, picks up the little sister, holds her in, in his arms and gives her a big, a big hug. And, and the big sister, though, that's got her, she's got her arms wrapped around, tightly around her dad's legs, kind of began to taunt the little sister, saying, I've got all of daddy there is. To which the little sister replied, well, daddy's got all of me there is. And if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, understand something. You have all of the Holy Spirit that there is. The Bible's very clear on this. He lives inside of you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, He's never going to leave you. He's always there. You have all of the Holy Spirit that there is. He has been poured out on you. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The only question that now remains is, does He have all of you that there is? Or are you holding back parts of your life, areas of your heart? Or have you gone all in with Him? Like, Jesus, I'm all in with you. Holy Spirit, you have all of me. Holy Spirit, no matter where you lead, no matter where you guide me, I'm going to be just like Jesus was there in Luke 4. If you lead me here, I'm going to say, yes, let's go. Does he have all of you? And the latter is, is what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But how are we filled? What does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I know that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Because maybe you're here and you're going, okay, yes, I definitely want to be in the camp of being able to say to, to him, you have all of me that there is. Yes, I understand that I have all of you, but I want you to be able to say, or I want to be able to say to you, you have all of me. I am submitted to you, Lord, because I trust you. You're good, and I know it. You have all of me that there is. But what does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How, how, does that, how does that happen? Because if the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that's not just talking in a one-time sense, that whole phrase is, a, is in the sense of being filled continually with the Holy Spirit, then the question for us is then, okay, how do I do that? If the Holy Spirit is inside of me when I give my life to Jesus— how do I be filled continually? How do, I, how do I regularly have the Holy Spirit fill me up? What, is that, what does that look like? What does that look like? You know, do I need to have someone pray for me, followed by an emotional experience where I'm just overwhelmed with His presence? Is that what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Honestly, sometimes it'll look like that. The first time I, I fully yielded my life to the Holy Spirit, it was a very emotional experience. And I was just a absolute weepy poly mess just overwhelmed by by the, the power of the holy spirit 
And since I've had moments that are very emotional when I'm just hanging out with Jesus or whatever, flooded with joy and peace, overwhelmed by his goodness. And some of you in the room could probably go back to times where you just, you, you were seeking after Jesus. Now, the women's retreat, I've heard about just so many stories keep coming out, come, coming out of just these powerful moments of just experiencing being filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're good. We, we love those times. We appreciate those times. We don't diminish the importance of those times. But listen, those times are the exception. They are the exception. Being filled with the Spirit, for the most part, it looks a lot more ordinary. It looks a lot more every day. And if you're just constantly looking for the emotional experience, you might end up being discouraged a lot of the time. Um, but nevertheless, being filled is one of the most important experiences in, in a Christian's life. And here are, some, here are some of the ways that it happens. And the first one, this, this is so, 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 so important. You're filled as you daily abide in Him. As you daily abide in Him. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but a lot of things in life are pretty simple. They're hard— but they're pretty simple. But what do we like to do? We like to make it very, very complicated. As complicated as we possibly can. Take, for example, the whole idea of weight loss. We can make it really, really complicated, but when it all comes right down to it, if you want to lose weight, you just consume less calories than you burn. That's it. We make a lot of life very complicated. I, when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit, we can make this really complicated, but actually it's, it's simple. Hard, but simple. When you daily abide in Him, in Jesus, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are filled. And the difference between someone that does this and someone that doesn't do this is really simple. Really simple. Someone that's daily abiding in Jesus— Right here. Someone that's not daily abiding in Jesus, right here. You could say one of these is filled with the Holy Spirit. One of these clearly is not. This one right here, as you can see, is not connected to a tree. I know I'm tall and I look like a tree, but I'm not a tree. And what's going to happen is that over the next coming days and weeks and months, this one is going to start to look a lot like this. But when you daily abide in Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it so clearly. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. And then he goes on to say, whoever does not abide in me is like a branch that withers and is good for nothing and ends up actually being tossed out and thrown into the fire someone who abides in jesus though this this is your life when a branch is connected to the vine filled with nutrients with water with the life of the vine this is what happens when it's not this is what what happens and when you take time out of your day to, to be with jesus to listen to him to to dig into scripture and to see what scripture has to say when you, you, you enjoy Him and you let Him speak to you, you, you take time to thank Him, like we did today, just to worship Him, you are filled 
with his Holy Spirit. And this looks similar to, in, in some respects to, for all of us, but in other respects, it might look slightly different. For me, how this looks, this daily abiding, it happens first thing every day. Well, right after I pour myself a nice, hot, bulletproof coffee, um, sometimes it's a walk followed by a devotional. Other times it's, it's, it's putting on my earphones and just playing some worship music and just kind of being there in the moment. Other times um, it's grabbing my—I've uh, got another devotional I'm going through that's just—it's it's actually talking about abiding in Jesus and just spend some time there. Other times abiding— Daily involves me pulling out my journal And maybe I've got some, some questions for Jesus And I, I ask those and I listen to what he has to say Other times, abiding in him daily Is actually showing up here on a Sunday morning We're abiding in him The cool thing about this is that we're doing it together But this is, this is abiding in him And you know what this is like This is, when you, when you come to, to a service like this Hopefully you walk out of here going Okay, I just I'm ready to face my week. I just, I feel, filled. That's what happens when, when we abide in Jesus. And, and this abiding in Him, it, it fills us with His Spirit. We're renewed, we're restored. Our souls go from, from empty, in the sense, to being filled with Him. And as you abide in Him, when you're intentional about staying connected to Him as the vine, to Him as the source of life, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the first way that you're filled. Daily abide in Him. Second thing is this. You're filled when you walk in the way of Jesus rather than the ways of this world. You know, one of the, the quickest ways, really, one of the quickest ways to go from this to this is, is, is to become to become disconnected from him is to allow yourself to be just filled with the things of this world. And the stuff on that list that we read earlier, that will drain you of the Spirit's presence and power faster than you can blink an eye. Loving money, disobedience, living a, a life just of being ungrateful, without self-control, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Because here's the thing. You can't be filled with His Spirit and filled with sin and filled with worldliness at the same time. And I know it's a bit of a mystery because how does He, He still lives inside of me, but I'm just not filled. It's a bit of a mystery to how all this works, but you can't be filled with His Spirit and filled with sin and worldliness at the same time. It just does not work. And the longer that you follow Jesus and know what it's like to be filled with his presence and with his power, the longer you know what that's like, the quicker that you'll realize, oh, I'm doing this thing, and that's, that is, is causing the, the tank, so to speak, to go empty. You'll, you'll notice it pretty quick. And, and you'll, you'll do something, or you'll maybe sense that God's asking you to do something, and you decide to go a different direction, or you... you you, you, you're at a place in life where you just you know you're filled with the Spirit, but you give into this sin, you give into this temptation, and you know what it's like because we've all been there where you've been in a good place and you do that thing, and then afterwards, what happens? You're just like, there's this disconnection between you and God. That's what happens with, with sin and worldliness. And, and here's the thing when you notice that hap is happening, 
The thing is to be quick to repent, quick to turn back to God, and then once again come back and say, well, Holy Spirit, I've just done all this stuff, and I know that it's not right. I know that it's not good. God, I repent of that. Holy Spirit, would you fill me? Fill me again. And He will. Third thing is this, to be filled. Um, you're filled when you surrender every part of your life to Him. And this is like we talked about earlier. It's about allowing Him to control and to lead your life. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And then the last thing is this. This is what, it's, what being filled is all about. It says, it's, it's, it's this. You're filled when you ask Him to fill you. Seems pretty simple again. Pretty straightforward. But it's truth. You are filled when you ask Him to fill you. And I used to believe that unless I, I felt something, that I wasn't being filled. I, I used to think I, I needed to feel something. I need to feel like joy or peace or just good, whatever that might be. But get this, nowhere in the Bible does it, does it say or describe how it feels, F-E-E-L-S, how it feels to be filled. Sometimes there is a feeling. Most of the time, there's not. But, but here's the problem, though, with attaching the feeling of the Holy Spirit to a feeling. You can make the mistake of believing that just because you don't feel something, that you're, you aren't filled. But, but what is it that we walk by? Do we walk by feelings? No, we walk by faith. And so when you ask Him to fill you, believe that He's filled you. Whether there's some kind of emotional experience attached to that or not. Believe that He's filled you. And in a second here, as we sing this last song, in just a minute here, you're going to have an opportunity just in, in wherever, just in your seat to say, Lord, fill me. And, and, it's, and, and then from there, it's this faith exercise where we go, I've asked, I believe that He has done it. And, and what won't happen when the Holy Spirit fills you what won't happen is continuous emotional heights. What won't happen is permanent feeling. What won't happen is sinless perfection. What won't happen is a particular gift of the Spirit. As we've read about the last couple weeks, He gives as He chooses. But what will happen when the Holy Spirit fills you is you will have the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Your love for Jesus will grow and grow and grow. You'll be empowered to live out your purpose with the supernatural gifts flowing through your life, that's what ha will happen when the Holy Spirit fills us. We're a church where the Holy Spirit has freedom to do whatever He wants. You know, we, we, we want to be a church, like we talked about individually. You can be a church, uh, you can be an individual that decides to yield to the Holy Spirit or not to yield. Same thing as a church. We can decide, okay, we're going to be all about following the Holy Spirit's leading and just yielding to Him and submitting to Him and welcoming Him. Or we can just kind of decide we're going to rely on other things rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. But we are a church where we go, Holy Spirit, you have freedom to show up however you want, whenever you want. It's your church. It's your body. You are the one who is ultimately in charge. You're the one who's leading this thing. We embrace the moving and the working of your Holy Spirit. That might 
sometimes be signs, it might be wonders, it might be healing, it might be gifts, it might be the supernatural. We're not going to shy away from that. We embrace everything that the New Testament talks about when it, when it comes to being filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. Yeah, we, we test and we use discernment like the Bible talks about, but, but not from a place of being cynical, not from a place of being skeptical, but from a place of faith and wisdom. We believe the Holy Spirit is for, the, for today. And we believe the Holy Spirit wants all of us to be absolutely, completely filled with Him. Amen? And my question for us today as we ask Eve and the worship team to come is do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And it's not complicated. This is not complicated. It starts with desiring Him. Then it's, it's asking Him. Then it's receiving Him. And then it's just believing that He has filled you. And so as we wrap up, we're going to sing this song that, that has become kind of a theme song in this series. You guys can just clear all the branches off if you want. <laughs> and in this song, it really, it, it really is, it's all about, let's put this over here. It's really, it's all about the Holy Spirit and just welcoming Him. It's just welcoming Him to come and breathe on us and, and pour Himself out on us. And if you're here this morning going, yes, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just, not just even today. I want to be a person that's constantly abiding in Him. And maybe this morning, for you, that's just a brand new commitment to go, Lord, I've just distanced myself from you. I haven't been daily abiding in you. And Lord, today, I want that to change. And, and as we sing this song, what I, what I want you to do is make this your prayer. We're going to come to a line here that, that just says, Lord, pour your spirit out. Make that for you. Make that for you. Before God today, Lord, pour your spirit out on me. Lord, I don't want to be like that dead branch. I want to be like that branch that's not only got leaves on it, but it's, it's just full of fruit. Lives are being changed through my life. Love, I'm, I'm, I'm growing in my love. I'm growing in my joy. I'm growing in my kindness. God, I want to be that person. So as we sing that line, you're like, God, pour your spirit out on me. Pour your spirit out on me. And I would also ask as we sing that, you make that your prayer for us as a church. Lord, pour your spirit out on us. God, that we would be a church that is filled with your spirit. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you're so good. You're so good. God, it's, it, it is appropriate that we're having this message on Father's Day because there's no father like you. You are the perfect good in every way, Father. And, and Jesus, you actually compared um, earthly fathers to the heavenly Father. And you said, if, if an earthly father's child asks for a gift, they're going to give them, most of the time, they're going to give them a really good gift. And if earthly fathers are like that, you said, then how much more will, will the heavenly Father, when we ask, give us the Holy Spirit? And so, Father, this morning, God, on this beautiful day, Lord, we just, we invite your Holy Spirit to fill us, fill us, fill us, God, in a fresh 
new way. God, I pray that you'd restore us. God, I pray that we would, we would have a love for you that would be growing and God, just desire for you that would be renewed today. God, would you come and fill us with your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen.